Hello, everyone, and welcome to Behold, the podcast where we try to answer once and for all, what is the best comic book adaptation? Yes, be it movie or TV show, we'll watch it and rank it until we have our definitive number one. Who's we? Well, I'm your host, Andrew, and not as per usual, it's just Mick with me this week. Hello. Yes, unfortunately, Rob was granted immortality by a witch, but now has to spend the next hundred years down a well. Yes. Um... Odd turn of events. Wasn't expecting that this week. I mean, given how 2020's gone so far, it wasn't that surprising, was it? What? Well, true, true. Uh, just Rob, really. It, it's just Rob being granted the immortality. That's the thing. That is true. Also, I say 100 years. He might very well be back next show. It depends whether I can be bothered to take the manhole cover off the well or not. Oh, if we just don't tell him we're still doing the show, see how long it takes him to, to notice. We could tell him we've been cancelled. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that'd be believable, because we're covering a sci-fi channel show this, t- this week. That's true, it is very appropriate. <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> but thank you for that lead Mick, because it is now time to pleasure. grab our... It is time to grab our implausibly huge guns... And hop in our pink Cadillacs as we behold Winona Earp. Yes. yes. So, yeah, today we are going to be talking about season one of the TV show from 2016, created by Emily Andras and based on the comics by Bo Smith. And I would say Mick, loosely based. <laughs> well, well, this is where we come to a point because I think. We've had a few shows where my knowledge has been a bit flimsy, but today I just out and out, I have not read a single issue of Winona Earp and know very little about it. So Mick, why don't you fill me and also the audience in on what it's all about? Okay, so let's start with the comics first. So the comics were uh, 1996 uh, mini-series by Bo Smith um, and <laughs> published by IDW uh, and I would say that Winona Earp in those comics is very much a 90s female heroine Yes, I mean, but what Mick means is his Zoom background at the moment is a picture of Winona Earp, and there's a certain part of her anatomy that is taking up a disproportionately large amount of the page space. I mean, just one on its own is the size of my head. Literally. It literally is. (laughs) And bigger than Winona's. Uh, so, yeah, um, typically, as with a lot of 90s sort of comic book female characters, um, shall we just say that um, Winona's proportions are similar to those of Barb Wire? Yes, I, th- I think that's, that's a very fair summary of it. Yeah. So, in the comics, um, Winona Earp is a federal marshal who belongs to a special subdivision that deal with the supernatural. And the reason that um, she is one of the only females able to work for that division is because Winona Earp is the great granddaughter of uh, famous Western icon, Wyatt. Earth. Well, I, I, I felt the Earth was sort of implicit. Um, Listen, it, we don't know how listeners. We're here to make sure none of them get left behind. Okay, fair enough. So, um, so, why not? Why not Earth is the. Um, the chosen descendant to wield the gun 
peacemaker. Um, and Wyatt, it would appear, was not just a lawman, but he was also a fighter of demons. Uh, and as such, the family is cursed. Uh, and in the comics, uh, Winona goes hunting down a, a variety of gangs of demons. Some of them are bikers. She too is a biker. Um, and it's, it's basically a, an excuse to have a female lead character who's very in tune with the lad culture of the 90s. I would say she's a beer swilling, whiskey uh, drinking, uh, bed jumping son of a gun. Well, daughter of a gun. Well, great granddaughter of a gun, really. Um, okay, so it's a very much kind of like a, a 13 year old ideal woman. Yes, very, very much so. Um, although, of course, by the time we wrote this, Bo Smith was in his mid-40s. Um, I mean, how old was Zack Snyder when he made Sucker Punch? Well, it's a fair point. Uh, so <laughs> um, yeah, so Wynonna is um, best described as... Hedonistic, I would say, <laughs> and not necessarily following the book um, in terms of uh, all their um, procedures for being U.S. Marshals. But you know, there's some there's some nice little ideas in there. The the, the subdivision is called the the Monster Squad. Right, that's, they, that's a bit more on the nose than Black Badge Division, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> um, but she battles such supernatural threats as Boba Del Rey and his redneck trailer trash vampires who are flooding the streets with a new designer drug called Hemo. The Egyptian mafia's mummy hitman, Raduk, Eater of the Dead, Right, I was about to say, okay, so so it's not that different from the TV show, but never mind. <laughs> uh, uh, and Raddock is on a mission to do outdo. Uh, is, is on a mission to do in all the other crime bosses that are, that are in business, uh, and all the, all the while. There's some family business that needs attending to back in purgatory uh, involving some hillbilly gremlins and some zombie mailmen. As you do. I mean, it's just another day out west, really. Um, so uh, in, the, in, the comic, in the comic world, prior to the, the TV series being launched, there were three... Um, miniseries. The original one ran from 96 to 97 and was a five issue miniseries just called Wynonna Earp and was originally done by Image, actually not by IDW. Um, everything else is published by IDW uh, including a three part miniseries called Home on the Strange which came out in 2003 and four. Uh, and a four-volume graphic novel, Wynonna Earp, The Yeti Wars, from 2011. I, mean, I, I greatly enjoy these titles, at least. Yes. <laughs> now, I can only imagine that it was the epic nature of The Yeti Wars that prompted Emily Andrus to approach uh, IDW's media arm um, and the Sci-Fi Channel with the idea to turn Winona into a TV show because just three short years, uh, five short years later, that's what happened. Wait, so it's just the whole TV show, like, is that just based upon the idea 
that we, we can't start with the Yeti Wars. We've got to slowly build up to them. I, I, I live in hope that that's what's happening. <laughs> uh, so Actually, if you think about it, if you know, then they've got to start filming again and lockdown's still a bit iffy. Full body Yeti costumes, that's one way to get around uh, the social, social distancing. Distance. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it, it, the. I mean, if only the pandemic had only be, had been the only problem that Winona Rope had faced this season, uh, that would it would be a blessing. Uh, but more on that later. But yeah, so um, go. On. No, no, you you go ahead. Okay, so yeah. Uh, 2015, Sci-Fi acquired the rights for the TV show, and uh, it was made with some quite significant changes. <laughs> and funnily enough, it was just flipping through the channels and seeing trailers for it and going, oh, that's quite interesting. That actually made me go back and read the comics, and my, was I surprised. Um, so, I guess we should start talking about the TV show now. We should indeed. Shall I give us a little synopsis then for season one? Yeah, you do that. Okay, and as always, this will contain quite a lot of spoilers, both in this and the discussion later. So, let's kick things off. Uh, our protagonist for the show is Winona Earp, played by Melanie Scrofano, one of three sisters and the descendant of legendary lawman Wyatt Earp. However, the Earp name isn't all that's been passed down as each generation of the family must also suffer under a mysterious curse. Dun, dun, an, dun. As always, thank you. Once an Earp heir reaches 27, the souls of the 77 men why Earp killed, or was responsible for the, their death. And I, I like how much that one retcon just seems to be thrown in in an episode where one of the writers goes, Wait, 77's a lot of people, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's too many to have just been killed by one man. <laughs> so these revenants are confined to the area around the town of Purgatory, but they are free to wreak havoc on the residents within. And the only way for the heir to fight back and break the curse is to use the magic six, uh, the magic six-shooter Peacemaker to send all 77 back to hell before the cycle can restart. And Winona has been on the run from this legacy ever since Revenants attacked her home as a child, killing her pappy and abducting her sister, and has grown into a hard-drinking, hard-fighting, and hard-fun-time-have-been-wild child. However, she's called back to purgatory after the death of a family friend, which I found out while I was doing the notes for this, is in Canada, not Arizona. Which ah. the series makes a lot more sense to me now. <laughs> like why like why Canadian marshals are involved. And also <laughs> why half the series is set in the snow. <laughs> I think that's yeah, just one, it, I think that's just because it's cheap, cheaper to film in winter. That's also probably true. <laughs> anyway, despite uh it being what she's been trying to flee from her whole life, Winona soon finds herself taking up Peacemaker to fight against the Revenant's leader, Bobo Del Rey, played by Michael Eklund. And she's aided in a fight by her younger sister, Waverly, Dominique Provost Chalkley, Deputy Marshal Xavier Dolls of the mysterious Black Badge Division, played by Shamir Anderson. Oh, and of course, by the immortal Doc Holliday, played by Tim Rosen. I think, I think you made that sound remarkably sane as a season synopsis. I did. It took me a while. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, there are some changes from the comics. Um, to say that um, Melanie Scrifano is uh, not exactly the spitting image of the comic-based version <laughs> Why on Earth is an understatement, I think it's fair to say. Yes, I think that's the difficulty with needing to cast an actual human woman to play it. Yeah. But I mean, uh, 
what I like to what I like about the TV show, uh, and bearing in mind I came to it, I came to the TV show first and then read the comics. If you, I mentioned in when we were talking about the comics, I, I mentioned that uh, she was very much uh, similar in design to uh, Barb Wire. And I think it's that kind of a role. It would have needed a Pamela Anderson-type figure to play the role um, because that would be the nearest a human woman came to looking like the comic version. Um, and what what struck me when we first started watching the TV show was that they managed to they managed to cast as a lead female character in a, a genre TV show someone who was attractive but not in that unattainable hollywood way melanie scrafano is uh, someone that you can imagine you can imagine seeing someone who looks a bit like her walking down the street you know yeah i get you yeah. it's not that oh i'm just a regular down-to-earth girl who also somehow looks like an impossible supermodel yeah yeah so um yeah and i think i think that's one of those things where weirdly it being a lower budget thing actually works out a bit better because you're not casting like super a-list people yeah so you end up with actors who look a bit more like they're just normal yeah yeah and um So yeah, it's, it it tours a nice line, I think, between toning down the more ridiculous elements of the comic, but keeping that supernatural air. Um, but also, it, it turns it into less of a because the comics are just drink, fight, supernatural weirdness, the end, drinks, fight. Supernatural weirdness, the end. Occasionally the odd bit of sex in between the drinks, the fights, and sometimes between the fights and the supernatural weirdness. Sometimes during the fights and the supernatural weirdness. But there's a pattern. Whereas this, um, there's a lot more around the relationship between um, Winona and Waverley. Uh, you get some uh, background on Doc Holliday's history with Wyatt Earp. Um, there's hints at a conspiracy that work in the town to keep certain events quiet. Uh, so it's, it's a nice little cross almost between a sort of family drama. It's, it, it's like it's like the X-Files meets Supernatural meets Little House on the Prairie. Yeah. I mean, I think kind of the big thing I jumped to when I started watching it is it reminds me an awful lot of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Hmm. Especially with, with the kind of slightly quirky characters and the very snappy back and forth dialogue. Yeah. I yeah, think it manages I, to uh, do that very well. Yeah, it does that. It does that really well, um, and I think that's that's the charm of the show, and that's what led me to read the comics to see if they were in a, in a similar vein. Now, interestingly, uh, from two thousand and sixteen onwards, IDW have been punish, uh, publishing um, comics uh, called Winona Earp that are directly tied in with more of the um, TV show. Uh, sort of feel and characters than the original um, ones, although Bo Smith is still involved in, in writing them. But interestingly, and again, I think tied into what you were saying about the the, the calibre of cast that you get for something on, on this level of budget, uh, you've got people like Melanie Scrafano and Tim Roson so invested in it that they're writing some of the, the new pieces as well. Oh, wow, that's, that's actually quite cool. I, I want to check these out now, I think, a bit. Because, <laughs> yeah, because I think that actually that hits on the nail of the head. The thing I like the most is that everyone, like, seems to genuinely really enjoy being in the show. 
Yeah, and especially uh, like Melanie Scafaro and Timbo, they they just seem to be having so much fun. I mean, their characters are such that it'd be impossible almost, I think, as actors to not have fun with them, to be fair. But um, the other thing about it is that they are properly invested in it. So um, I mentioned before that it's had a bit of a troubled um, filming thing. Unusually for a sci-fi show, sci-fi channel show, it's not sci-fi that have caused the problem. Um, they, they actually renewed it. It, it. It's run for three seasons. Season season two uh, was filmed. It had a plot line about Winona having a sort of supernatural pregnancy. Uh, that was because Melanie Scrifano was pregnant while filming it. Um, and they got through season two and three, and then Sci-Fi renewed it for a season four, which is completely out of character for the Sci-Fi channel. Um, and then IDW Media, who actually do the production piece, had financial problems. <laughs> oh, so, no. So they were scheduled to start filming uh, season four about 18 months ago. Um, and then there was all sorts of restructuring had to be got on. Uh, I think partly due to the fact that IDW's entertainment arm were also funding the Lock and Key adaptation. Um, and then they got, the, they got the money together. It all got back on track. There was an amazing fan campaign to get it back up and running. Um, and <laughs> they got filming, got halfway through season, uh, filming season four, and then the pandemic hit. <laughs> so it'll be, it is coming out in August, season four, but it's going it, to be done in two halves. <laughs> but is this sort of like weird meta thing where the show itself <laughs> now has the appearance on it? Yeah. <laughs> so. But yeah, it's it's one of those nice um, shows that occasional it, it's it sort of deviates between having a sort of monster of the week uh, type of storyline, and then occasionally it jumps back into this overriding arc with Boba Del Rey and the links to the family curse and and all the rest of it. Um, and it, it it strikes a nice balance. It's not it's not like the X Files, which slowly sort of uh, transformed from being a monster of the week type show into just uh, I don't know a tin helmet wearing uh, conspiracy theorists wet dream. This strikes a nice balance between not ignoring the arc plot, but having some variation from week to week and that's partly helped by these little relationship pieces that go on around the Earp family history uh, the history between doc and um wyatt uh and the 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 occasional revelations that maybe maybe things are all well in the Earp family line yeah, definitely. I, I I like that a lot. That right, kind of towards the end of the series, it did kind of develop a lot more stuff. Like, you know what? Maybe having a dad who insisted you spend your childhood firing guns at bottles so that you can go demon hunting as soon as you're old enough. Maybe that's not a great bloke. <laughs> maybe that's not a normal childhood. <laughs> Maybe, maybe that might actually mess someone up a little bit. <laughs> Is it any wonder I turned to drinking? Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the other thing I like is that the, there's all the traditional sort of monster tropes and, and monster types that you get in there. There's demons or revenants, as they're called in, in this uh, show. Um, 
you've got skinwalkers, you've got vampires, you've got witches and all the other bits and pieces. But they've all got a slightly new twist on them. They're not Yeah. They're not just rehashing the old stories again and again and again. Yeah, yeah, I definitely felt like for the most part there wasn't a lot of oh okay, it's a it's a this kind of thing, I get it now. Yeah. I think maybe like the one exception to that is is where they had the one guy who was like was it was called like Jack the Knife or something like that. <laughs> Jack the Knife, yeah. Yeah, and then at the end it was like, surprise, it, he was Jack the Ripper all along because of course he was. Yeah. And it's literally like as soon as the episode started with, oh, look, it's a demon guy who's back from the dead who was around in like vaguely the 1800s and he likes cutting people up. My first thought was, but he's going to be Jack the Ripper, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I guess... I've always had this I've always had this conversation with a a friend of mine uh, who who was an expert on Buffy and Angel and what we've always agreed on is that when Buffy was at its best it was very very good and when it was at its worst it was truly awful whereas Angel was kind of consistently at the same level of quality throughout and I think I think that's that's true with Winona Earp. It, it's a, a consistently satisfying series. It's never... I can't remember a single episode where I thought that is the best bit of TV I've ever seen. But I've never come away from an episode going, oh, that was a bit rubbish. And and even the even the Jack the Ripper story, I think the, the, the way that they worked it, although it was a little bit sort of inevitable, um, what was going to happen at the end. The, the performances within the, the episode mean that it actually, you don't feel disappointed at the end of it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, to be fair, as much as I did roll my eyes at the, oh, he's Jack the Ripper bit, like, that was a very good episode. Like the one where Winona's just stuck it like in the morgue. Yeah. And she's kind of like been paralyzed a bit so she can't just get up to bed and run away. And she's like, I'm just sort of Metal Gear solid around the, uh, the hospital <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> It's also that that was the one episode where like they had the woman and you, you saw just like a whole chest opened up. Yeah. And that was that was a bit of a punch in the face because <laughs> wow, why no one you, you you went from kind of fairly like again like the Buffy the vampire style of oh there's monsters and stuff, but there's not like any real violence or anything. Yeah. But then it's just like it keeps throwing in like that is a woman's open chest and like a house full of cannibal victims and just some guy's arm. <laughs> and it's just, it happens like, just infrequently enough that it always catches me by surprise when there's like, something properly violent in it. That, that's it, because it, it, that's the other nice element of it. It doesn't rely on that in each and every single episode. It, it's not relying on the gore, it's not relying on the violence. It acknowledges that those things in this world are bound to exist and happen, but it doesn't revel in it. It doesn't uh, dwell on it. Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's, it's a nice balance of not being like this schlocky over the top, but also saying that like sometimes you do want it to be a bit more violent. Like I mean, like like the bit where they find the house with all the cannibal victims. I think that's one of those things that similar shows have tried similar things and it can fall a little bit flat because that's one of those situations where the implication doesn't work quite as well as just, oh, oh no, here's lots of blood and stuff and that is quite like disgusting and spooky. Yeah. It's also actually related to that. Something I definitely feel improved as the series went on is that quite early, it seemed like quite a lot of fairly patchy CGI. But I think like as the series went on, that both improved kind of a bit. 
and also they maybe start relying on, on practical effects a little bit more. Yeah, and I think I think I think this is the problem with genre TV um, in the US with the US networks is especially if you're working with a channel like Sci-Fi, who you know rightly or wrongly have got this reputation for oh it only got three million viewers this week. We'll just show the four episodes, and then the other four that haven't been, we'll we'll throw them out on DVD at some point, and we'll cancel the show now. Um, I think what that gives is um, producers tend to be a little bit lacking in confidence. So they've got a budget for, I mean, typically with, with genre shows, they sort of get a half season order. Um, and then maybe it gets bumped up to a full season later. Um, so they might have had like six episodes definitely ordered. And I think gradually they build up their confidence as the viewing figures come in and the, the critical um, reviews come in. They start to get a bit more confident. And if the network hasn't said, right, we're getting rid of you, or if the network have said, we definitely want those back back five episodes. Um, I think they start throwing a bit more money at it and maybe being a bit more daring with with where they go. Um, but you're right. It, it, there were a few moments in the early episodes where you thought, "Ooh, that was that was done in a thirteen year old boy's bedroom with uh, a copy of After Effects." Uh, but by the end of the season, you you're thinking it's really accomplished. Yeah, I mean, like in the final episode, you get that big weird tentacle thing and yeah. that looks pretty good for a TV budget. Yeah. And I think, I, I, think, I think partly we as an audience are to blame, you know, for some of the expectations we place on these genres shows because we are in a situation where, you know, those effects from Star Wars that everybody went, ooh, ah, about in 1977. You can literally do in your bedroom now. You know, <laughs> if, you, if you've got a laptop and some free software, you can do that. Yeah, uh, it's... Actually, you know what I think is a really good example of that? Henry Cavill's face and Justice League. Because, <laughs> like, that looks bad. Yeah. And then you get, like loads of people going, well, look, I've just used this editing software that I've got in my home to, to fix it, and it looks great. Yeah. But yeah, but that's you who's, like, got as many hours as you want to bother putting on it. Yeah, you're not, like, you're not sat there and you've got to have it done by Friday because that's when the film's getting released. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the reality is, you know, sometimes you've, you've got to compromise how accomplished something looks, just for, especially like on a TV show when you're putting out episodes that need to be like week by week. Yeah, you've got to get that order done, and yeah, sometimes things won't look as polished. And I do, I do feel like that's something we did know, and have kind of forgotten as an audience a bit. Yeah, and of course the the other thing, and I, I know this because I do I do play around with with a little bit of. Um, VFX stuff, as you know, for for other other creative outlets that I have. Um, but if you take, for example, the tentacle piece, right? If I was doing a TV show that was based around, say, Cthulhu-based stuff, I know that I'm going to need tentacles quite a lot. So all the effort goes into the first few setups that you do. Once you've built the models and you've got the animation um, behaviours sorted out, you can just then use those and manipulate them to fit the scene. It's the actual creating them. So if you're having to create a CGI model or uh, structure from scratch for each episode, that's going to take a lot more time. But if you're slowly building up to something and or you've got bits that you can reuse, 
then you can start spending the time on putting the detail in rather than doing the creation piece. Yeah, so well, there helps. you go. I, th I think today we've all learned a little bit about visual effects. Indeed. So yeah, so, so I think what I quite like about this, and I think it's something we were kind of talking about earlier, is the fact that it just, it seems like it doesn't really drag its feet with a lot of things. No. Like, for example, the fact that Henry is actually Doc Holliday. Like, like his whole, oh, I'm going to infiltrate, you know, team, team up and they're not going to know it's me. That lasts up until Waverly just pulling out a photo going, oh, you're Doc Holliday, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those things. Like, I, another show that would be like a season and a half later, a character finally thinks to just look up a picture of Doc Holliday. Yeah. And they, they, you know, they wouldn't notice certain certain coincidences, <laughs> like a style of dressing or a style of facial hair, or yes, the fact that this man who talks like he's from the eighteen hundreds might <laughs> just be from the eighteen hundreds. Yeah. <laughs> also, that does remind me. Also, I think one of my favourite things about Doc Holiday is his constant insistence that he could resolve the situation if only he had some dynamite. Yes. Someone, someone would just explain to him how a grenade works. Yeah. The happiest man. But, but the other thing that it slightly adds an element of extra danger to the storyline because he's a man who's obsessed with sticks of dynamite. He's also a man who smokes a cigar at every available opportunity. And, you know, in poor light. <laughs> it's just asking for a comedic mishap. <laughs> yeah. Also, the fact that just Waverly and... They, I can't believe there's a character in the show named Officer Hot. I, I, that is my favourite thing. That, that, when she, when Nicola Hawke gets, gets introduced, just the wordplay and the fact that it's such a fitting description and all the rest of it, and it's just, oh, this is, this is joyous. <laughs> it is, but yeah, but yeah, I, I like that they end up getting together and it's like relatively without fuss. Like there's just there's a little bit of a ming and ahhing, but it doesn't overstay its welcome. Yeah. And then there's there's that little bit of sort of uh oh um I possibly don't want to admit this to Winona and oh uh what's she gonna do and oh I've she's found out and oh, oh she's cool with it. All oh, right, okay. <laughs> there's no dwelling on it and Yeah, it's not there's no pointless dramas, I think the point, isn't it? Yeah, that's the thing. There all all the family dramas um that revolve around the Earp sisters are tied to the rest of the plot. They're tied into the supernatural aspect. Um either because evil forces are trying to manipulate one or other of the sisters into doing something, or they've found something out about history that has clearly affected their understanding of their place within the family and stuff like that. But it's all tied back to the plot. It's not just about, you know, bitchy sisters not liking each other's outfits or anything like that. It's um it's all Yeah. It's all tied back to, to the main plot lines. Yeah, thank you. I think that's like that's the point I was trying to make is that there's no moments of just, oh, we've got to stop doing the main plot so we can focus on this now. It all like it all feels relevant to the larger story. Yeah. But that being said, I, th I think there was one thing for me that like felt a little bit flat and pointless. And that's a, a lot of the stuff relating to um Constance Clutie. You know, the uh, the witch lady. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
That does like, that does feel a little bit flat in season one. Oh, okay, right, good. So that is one of the things that does <laughs> come back later. Okay, good. Because yeah, because it does seem a bit weird that she just seems to be like very abruptly taken care of. Yeah. But yeah, oh, yeah but, there's but it's more still, of that to come. Okay, good. It's still it does feel quite silly to me though that you have a whole episode of Waverly being set up as like you are the keeper of the skull, Waverly. It is your sacred responsibility. And then she's just like, oh, what's, what's this constant? You need it so you can resurrect your demons. And okay, smash. And that's it. That, that's kind of the resolution to that plot line. Yeah. For now. Okay, good. Fair <laughs> I'm, I'm very glad it's a for now thing and that it's, that it's going to be relevant later. And I, and I think this is it. I think this is this is one of the things that, that, that again, comes with that confidence of getting a, re, getting a season renewal. Because I think, uh, I seem to remember that the, the season renewal for season two, again, unusually for the Sci-Fi Channel, came before season one had finished um, airing. Um, but yeah, they, they start sowing seeds for things that will then come in season two because they've kind of got the the need to do it um they've got the confidence that they can start doing these more complex plots and things that they can revisit later um and if you think season one is is a little bit out there it's just laying the way for season two yes i have while i was doing the research for this episode i did accidentally spoil myself for some of the things for season two and oh goodness I I thought Doc Holliday being like some immortal cursed guy who's been stuck in a well that was the most outrageous thing the show was going to do no 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 yeah. but and, anyway and, I, you know season three is not exactly a police procedural Although, given how it's been going so far, season four might just end up being that. <laughs> season four, it's like season one, but all the demons wear masks. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you know, just even just talking about it now, I'm tempted to go back and watch the first three seasons again. Because they were really good. Also, um, I need to rewatch season three anyway because it's been nearly two years by the time it comes. <laughs> by the time season four comes out, yeah, you, you might need a reminder then. Yeah, I, I, I would rewatch season one, but I mean, it just it made such a big impact. It feels like I only watched the finale this morning. Yeah. Also, because I only watched the finale this morning. <laughs> I thought there were 12 episodes, but there were 13. <laughs> yes. Um, but don't let that fool you, because seasons two and three only have 12. Oh. You're a tricksy one wine owner. <laughs> anyway, I think it's about time we got wine owner ranked on our list. Yes. So now, this is our list currently running from 1 to 14 of the best to worst adaptations with Road to Perdition at the top and Angley's Hulk at the bottom. Well, I think Wynonna Earp definitely needs to be in the top half. Because I think it's it's a weird one in that it's an adaptation that's actually better than the source material. It's improved the source material immeasurably. It is indeed. Okay, so I would say probably not first five, though. So I'm looking... We've got Lewis. Road to Position at the top. Yeah, we've got Road to Position at the top. 
I'm looking around kind of number six, we've got Iron Man. Number seven, we've got Harley Quinn season one. Mm. Yeah, but then weirdly Mind you, I I can't remember what I said at the time I voted, but Iron Man I'm now disputing Iron Man's position because if you gave me a choice of what I needed to rewatch uh, in the next week, or my um, my family will be taken away from me and hidden somewhere, um, I would choose both Harley Quinn season one and Winona Earp over Iron Man. So basically, what you're saying is the entire like structure of the show itself has already been undermined well yeah but then I'm, what i'm thinking is that i probably said that at the time we ranked iron man and got overruled by you and rob because <laughs> that <laughs> that's how democracy works <laughs> yeah see see i do feel like iron man does deserve to be fairly high if for I mean, no other reason just because just... It, just because it kicked off the mcu yeah yeah exactly so i think it it deserves that even if it's more an honor. I don't want to say it's like an honorary spot because I do still think it's a, it's a very good movie. It is, but it's still one that I would watch third on, on a list of Winona Earp season one and Harley Quinn season one. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I'm worried I've made a mistake because to be honest, I feel like I'd rather watch the original X-Men than Harley Quinn season one. The well, original there, X-Men there was at number eight. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but to be fair, Mick, describe to me the plot of the original X-Men film. Um, a man in a wheelchair with a bald head and some mutants do some stuff with Hugh Jackman. I mean, yes, technically. But I still bet you're thinking of a different X-Men film. No, because that's the one with Famke Janssen as Jean Grey. That's still technically five of them, though. Oh. But I've whittled it down to five. (laughs) It's the one where she doesn't um, escape from a big lake being really angry. Are you there? I, I am there. I'm just, I'm, I'm realizing we've become flummoxed by Winona Earp. We are. She's tricked me again, damn it. You no, know, I get why everyone in purgatory hates her so much. <laughs> it's because she's tricksy. <laughs> okay, so I, I think. I also don't know how much it is it's just recency bias that I'd rather watch Wynoda Earp than Harley Quinn and also the fact that potential spoilers for a future episode I've not been feeling season two of Harley Quinn that much Ooh. but no, no to be, I still feel like I'd want to put it above Harley Quinn so maybe Fair. make it on you number seven I'll tell you what, we'll agree on that one then. There we go. So, number seven, Winona Earp. The system works. Ish. Ish. I mean, it works about as well as anything we've ever done. (laughs) Now, you see, I suggested Winona Earp. As, a, as an entry in this series, and aren't you glad I did? I certainly am, yeah. Like, I'll admit, I wasn't quite sure when I started season one, just because there was always that little bit, and you might oh, but it's a sci-fi original series, and you know how those go. But Indeed. no, I'm very into it now. I'm a fan. Um, and of course, by the time 
we get to uh, looking at season two, we'll have discovered whether to pronounce it Winona or Winona. No, we won't have, Mick. And, and if you look at how it's spelled, it's actually Winona. Why none of the above? <laughs> so we've watched it, we've synopsized it, we've ranked it. Is there anything left for us to do with Why None of Up season one? I think there is. I think we uh, we can holster this particular season of television. So with that, we're at the end of the show. If you want to listen to more, you can listen to all our old episodes on the feed or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you subscribe to the show, you'll make sure you never miss an episode. You can also listen to our other podcast, the Comics Review Show 4 panel, over on the Geek Show Podcast Network. And if you want to get in touch, our email is beholdpod at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at beholdpod. Also, if you're a fan, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review. This on your podcast app of choice or recommended us to a friend. It's, uh, it's the best way to help us grow and uh, reach out to new listeners. So that's everything. Until next time, I've been Andrew. I've been Mick. So long and thanks for listening, partner. <laughs> no, didn't, li- didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>